Well, welcome to Pinion Hills Community Church Online. Thank you for joining us from wherever you're, you're joining us from around the world. We are grateful that you have chosen to come and worship with us, even though we're not physically in the same building at the same time. It has been a whirlwind of a week, has it not? Things have been crazy. Things continue to get crazier as we go. California's been shut down. New York's been shut down. New Jersey's been shut down. Kansas has been shut down. And we too, perhaps might get shut down. Now, everything seems to be fast moving. It's a rapid pace. But it was just a couple days ago that this all started, at least for us. It was just a few days ago this last Monday. We went into lockdown in my own family, and my kids stayed home from school. Here's a picture of day one of our quarantine in the house. You can see kids are smiling. They're having fun. They're engaged. There's the Bible, the Bible storybook of Jesus on the table right there. Everything's good, right? They're eating. They've got their, their stuffed animals. Everything's good. That's day one. Here's day two. Day two, <laughs> things are not as good. Michaela is bored out of her mind. She's wearing all black. She's grieving the life that she used to have. Noah, I don't even know what's going on with Noah. It looks like he just killed Mr. Incredible or something. I'm not really what's, sure what's happening in this picture, but uh, things get crazier and crazier as they go. I came across a tweet this last week from a father who said he was sitting on the couch and his daughter ran in and said, dad, the toilet is smoking. The toilet is smoking. So he got off the couch, ran into the bathroom and saw this this uh, scenario going on. The toilet was apparently smoking. <laughs> Things are getting crazier and crazier as we go. Uh, and I don't know how the quarantine is going for you so far, but I would say the, the only person who's probably not affecting is Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, I, I, I got this meme sent to me yesterday. Check out this picture of Chuck Norris. I think we have a picture of Chuck Norris. There it is. Uh, Chuck Norris has been exposed to the coronavirus. And he says uh, on the bottom caption down there, it says the virus is now in quarantine for the next 14 days. That is hilarious. Nothing beats tr uh, Chuck Norris. So anyway, I don't know how it is for you. I'm not going to lie. I'm not too sad about the quarantine because I get to hang out with my family and I love my wife. I love my kids. I'm not sad about that. What I am a little bit sad about is being quarantined with my dog. Now, if you don't know anything about my dog, my dog is either demon possessed or thinks that I'm demon possessed because this dog wants to bite me all day long. This, this dog is biting me over and over and over. I've got a friend who's a vet. He said, Matt, you just have to get through the puppy stage. And I was like, okay, well, how long is the puppy stage going to last for this puppy? He said, well, maybe a year and a half to two years. I'm like a year and a half to two years. I got to deal with this dog biting me all the time. I don't know if I can do this for a year and a half to two years. And so uh, in related news, if you happen to want an emotional support animal to help get you through the coronavirus, I might know of one that's available for you. Uh, anyway, so I think I'll be okay in the quarantine with my family, minus the dog. As long as I have Oreos, I think I'm going to be okay. Now, if the dog eats my Oreos, that's a different story. My dog will need an emotional support animal after that. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to be online. Uh, I'm not too concerned with the quarantine right now, uh, but you got to remember, this is, all, this is all temporary. This is not the new normal. This is not forever. Our lights go on stage. You're going crazy behind me. That's crazy. Uh, anyway, so this is all temporary. Even the guy, one of our board members last Sunday sent me a text message, and he sent this message, and he said, Matt, on Church Online, first time I've ever done it, and I, he said, I, I woke up this morning, went to the living room wearing my robe, and I had my favorite cup of tea, and I could get used to this. 
I wanted to respond back to this elder of our church, and I wanted to say, well, first of all, thank you for wearing your robe, because that's a visual that none of us need, right? But the second thing I, I actually did send him with a text message, that message, I said, hey, you know what? Don't get too used to this, because this is not the new normal. Eventually, perhaps in a few weeks, maybe in a few months, we will get rid of this. We will eventually be through this. We need to get through it together. And so uh, it's not the new normal, but even though this is temporary right now, the reality is that it has helped me appreciate a few other things that I've for, taken for granted. I've taken for granted people actually being in our facility, pre- preaching to a, a congregation or a, a building full of people. It's made me miss the people in the, the plaza and, and shaking hands with people and hugging people and engaging people. There's some things that I miss. Now, even though there's things that I miss from our scenario right now, there's also some things that I'm looking forward to, things that I'm excited about, things that I'm grateful for, even in this storm that we're in right now. One of the things I'm thankful for is the engagement that we have. We have a lot of engagement. In fact, normally on any given Sunday, we have about 1,400 people or so that show up to our physical building. We have another 2,000 online. If you add that up, that's about 3,400 people or so. But in the last seven days, we've had over 6,000 people engaging us online in one way or another. And I'm thankful for that. In fact, I would encourage you, if you're watching online right now, I would encourage you share this video, share this live stream so other people can see it. Now, it's not about the thousands of people. It's not about the online attendance. It's a matter of getting the message of hope out to the world right now that desperately needs the message of hope. Look at what Paul says in Romans 15, 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, that's what this world needs, isn't it? We have a God of hope that can fill us with joy and peace and trust during the middle of this storm, this ordeal that we're going through right now. So when you share this sermon, when you share this message, you're helping perpetuate, you're helping spread that hope to a world that desperately needs that right now. So I'm really thankful for the engagement that we have. Another thing I'm thankful for uh, in our situation right now is our staff and our volunteers. We have some phenomenal people that are working behind the scenes, making sure that we can still come to you live with God's word. God's word doesn't come back void, but we couldn't do it without our whole team of of staff members and volunteers. In fact, they're creating new engaging ways to to engage people. Even though we have social distancing, we have intentional social engagement. In fact, if you go to phcc.church, there's all sorts of different ways. We have men's groups that meet online, women's groups that meet online, young adults groups that meet online, student ministry events that are meeting online. We also have children's ministry meeting online. So we have all these different ways And if you go to the homepage, phcc.church, and scroll down to the bottom, you'll see all those different links that we have available so you can choose to engage during this time of of disengagement or or distancing. So I would encourage you continue to be engaged. I do want to give a shout out to the staff and the volunteers because they're working their tails off making this a reality. So if you're watching online on Facebook or YouTube or Vimeo or wherever you're watching online right now, and if you have the ability to write in a comment, will you give some love to the staff and the volunteers? Maybe throw in one of those uh, praise hands emojis or heart emoji or a high five emoji. Give them some love for all the support that they're doing right now in this situation. Uh, they're, they're working really hard to make sure that we're able to still come to you with God's word. So I'm thankful for that. Third thing I'm thankful for is the reality that we're able to engage people in different ways that are unique to what we normally do. Now, I've talked about all the online ministries that people can participate in, but even right now in the context of this sermon, you and I can engage in ways that we normally wouldn't be able to do. I talked a little bit about this last Sunday, but I'll remind you as well, don't just watch the stage right now. Choose to engage. Don't just watch what's going on up here with the flickering in the lights and all the other stuff. Choose to engage in this discussion. Choose to be a part of this discussion. A couple of ways you can do that. Number one, you can go online to phcc.church resources and you can download a downloadable PDF. 
So you can get a downloadable PDF on the website. You can download it. You can print it off. You can fill in the blanks as we go. It's got all the Bible verses on there. It's got questions you can have uh, around the lunch table, the dinner table tonight. So it's intended to allow you to be engaged. It's the same thing as we normally pass out uh, in the program every Sunday, but this is a different way you can be engaged. So go to phcc.church resources. That's one way to be engaged. Another way is to go and find the emailable notes. Now, this is a brand new way that we're rolling out as of today. You go to same URL, phcc.church resources, click the link of email notes. Now, why would you do this instead of the download? Some people don't have a printer at home. If you don't have a printer at home, click this one instead. You can follow along on your digital device. You can take notes on your phone. And at the end, instead of printing it, you can email those notes to yourself so you can hang on to those notes forever in your inbox. So that's another way for you to be engaged. Third way, Uversion app. The Uversion app is available in your app store. You can download that. It's a free app. It's got the Bible in there. It's also got our notes in there so you can save them for three weeks or three months or three years from now. Great way for you to be engaged. Fourth way, it's the traditional way, pen and paper, baby. You can still be engaged with just a pen and paper. And I would encourage you to be engaged. Don't just watch the stage right now. Choose to be engaged. That's my hope for you as we get started. Now, in the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Fighting Words. Now, to be honest with you, I've been really excited about this particular series. It's all about controversial statements that Jesus made that ultimately led to his crucifixion. And that's where we're heading in our society and our culture just recently. We were having this series lead us up to Good Friday. We were going to commemorate Good Friday, and then we would have Easter. So all these controversial statements that led to the, the execution of Jesus, that's what this whole series was about. Yet that being said, I feel as though with everything else going on with the coronavirus and all the craziness and the fear and the anxiety and the worry, it didn't make sense to continue on in this series. So instead, we decided to interrupt this series with a new series called Interrupted. Pretty creative, right? But the reality is that this series was a series we already had planned for two weeks after Easter. We already had graphics made. We're already planning for the series of Interrupted. So it just so happens it feels as though everything is interrupted right now in our world. So we bumped up that series that's gonna be after Easter. We decided to pause the Fighting Word series. We'll bring that back at another time, but right now we're gonna start a brand new series called Interrupted. Now, the truth is we've all been interrupted, right? Our world has been interrupted. Your lives have been interrupted. Your life has been interrupted. Your job's been interrupted. Your kids, the school, the homework, the way that we get our food, everything's been interrupted. Perhaps your income has been interrupted. A lot of things in our lives right now have been interrupted. Now, even though that might feel like an inconvenience, there's something that you need to remember. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. God uses interruptions to teach us instructions. Now, perhaps you don't want to be interrupted because it's inconvenient for you, but you got to remember, God uses interruptions to give us instruction. So the question is, well, what might God want to teach you? What might he want to say to you? What might he want to be speaking to you? Perhaps he wants to get your attention. What does he want your attention for? In fact, I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question. Why might God be trying to get my attention? In the middle of the storm, in the middle of all the craziness, what might God be wanting to say and speak to me? Why might he want my attention? Now, perhaps that's different for everybody watching right now. Perhaps God wants to say to you right now, hey, you know what? I know you haven't been to church in a long, long time. You haven't been in years, perhaps decades, but I still love you. I'm still here for you. Perhaps you've quarantined yourself away from God and you don't have a relationship with God right now. And perhaps what God is whispering to you right now is, hey, I miss you. I miss what we had. I miss our relationship. Perhaps what God wants to say to you during this interruption is, hey, I know you got these resources and you've been spending time and money and resources, your talents. You've been investing in all those different places, but none of them have eternal value. 
what you have right in front of you, your family in this quarantine, that has eternal value. Maybe that's what he's whispering to you. Maybe you're an agnostic or you're an atheist. And for some reason right now, you're watching on this live stream. For one, thank you for being here. But two, perhaps God wants to say something to you. Maybe he wants to say to you in the middle of the storm, hey, you know what? I'm here. I'm real. I love you. I care for you. And I'm in this with you. You can trust me. I don't know what God wants to specifically say to you in your particular situation, but what I do know is that God wants your attention. God wants your attention. Your attention is worth a lot. Think about this. God created you for two reasons. Number one, to bring glory to him. You're his masterpiece. You're his magnum opus. He's so proud of you. He loves you so much. You and your life, you bring glory to God. The second reason why he created you is for a relationship with you. He knows you so well. He knows you better than you know yourself. He wants you to know him like he knows you. He created you to glorify himself and for a relationship. Because he wants a relationship with you, he wants your attention. Look what Jesus says in Revelation 3.20. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is basically saying, hey, I'm here. Are you listening? I'm here. Are you with me? Open the door. Open the door of your heart. I'm here. I'm ready to have a relationship with you. (laughs) Hello. May I have your attention, please? Do I have your attention? You see, Jesus wants our our attention. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with each, each one of us. So the question that I've got for you this morning is, does God have your attention now? Now, I'm not implying that God's caused this coronavirus just to get your attention. What I do believe is that God can use interruptions that we have in our lives to use them in different ways. He can take a dark circumstance, a bad circumstance, and make good out of it. So perhaps the question that I have for you right now is, does God have your attention in the middle of the storm? And perhaps for you, he does. And if he does have your attention, then I'm thankful for that because because there's perhaps thousands, if not millions of people who are, are worried about their relationship with God or worried about what's going on. And, and maybe a situation like this can draw them in. Perhaps that's why we have thousands more people on our live stream right now. Maybe that's why there's thousands of people, millions of people flocking to online churches because they now have, the, they believe that God has their attention. And perhaps God has something to say to you. What does God want to say to you? Does he have your attention? And if so, if God's got your attention, then perhaps that's exactly where God wants you to be. It was September 3rd of 19 or 1833, September 3rd of 1883 or 1833, rather, a businessman by the name of Benjamin Day started a brand new revolutionary newspaper in New York City called The Sun. Now, what made it revolutionary was not its articles and it wasn't its pictures. It was the the fact that this newspaper was so inexpensive. In fact, Benjamin Day sold each newspaper for one penny each. Now, all these other newspaper publishers were like, Benjamin, what are you doing? You can't make a profit. You can't make a company based on newspapers that you're selling for one cent each. You're basically giving it away. But what Benjamin was doing was creating a whole new business model. You see, what he realized is that if I can get my newspaper out there to thousands of people for basically free, or I'm giving it away, what I'm doing is I'm luring people in with their attention, and then I can take their attention and I can sell that to other businesses and they can market their services and products, and they can, they can basically create marketing and advertising campaigns to the people that I have that are captive and held with their attention. In other words, what Benjamin was doing, he realized his product wasn't the newspaper. The product was people's attention. People's attention is worth a lot of money. In fact, in uh, just last year, 2019, uh, the United States, companies throughout the U.S., 
spent over $197 billion in advertising and marketing. That's a lot of money trying to buy your attention. This whole business model that, that, uh, that Benjamin Day came up with, it's not new. It's how Facebook works. If you think about Facebook, what'd you pay for your Facebook profile? Nothing, right? There's billions of people that use Facebook for free, yet Mark Zuckerberg is raking in billions of dollars on, on Facebook. How is that possible? Because he realizes if he can get billions of eyes paying attention on Facebook, he can sell that advertising. Google uses it this way. Pinterest, that's their business model. Thousands of companies use this same business model, and it's those companies that are spending $197 billion a year to pay for your attention. Now, $197 billion is a lot of money. What could you buy with $197 billion? Well, here's a picture of something you could buy. You could buy a jet. You could buy, uh, I think we have a picture of a jet. Maybe not, but you can imagine the picture of a jet. You could buy a, a jet. In fact, not just any jet. There it is. That's Elon Musk's jet right there. You could buy this jet, but not just this jet. You could buy a fleet of jets. In fact, you could buy 2,500 of these jets. Each one of these jets is $70 million, but with $197 billion, you could buy 2,500 of them. You know what else you could buy with $197 billion? You could buy this house. This house, it's the White House. Now, you might be thinking, well, Matt, the White House is not for sale. I understand it's not for sale. Some people think it's for sale, but it's, it's not for sale. On Zillow.com, it actually shows an evaluation or an assessment of, of this uh, evaluation of this house. And it's estimated to be worth over $400 million. So with $197 billion, though, you could buy over 400 White Houses. You know what else you could buy with $197 billion? You could buy an island in the Bahamas. Here's a picture of the Bahamas. You could buy an island. Now, there's several pictures in there. Quite frankly, with $197 billion, you could buy all of the Bahamas. Not just all of the Bahamas, but if you could somehow replicate the Bahamas, you could buy 576 Bahamas, the entire country, with $197 billion. You know what else you could buy with $197 billion? At least two weeks' worth of Oreos for me. Because <laughs> I have a problem with my Oreos. I'm just kidding, not two months, at least six months of Oreos with $197 billion. Friends, the point is, the point that I'm making is that $197 billion is a lot of money and that's the amount that was spent just last year in 2019 to purchase your attention. Your attention is worth a lot. Your attention has value. And God is saying, hey, I want your attention. Do I have your attention? It's worth a lot. Can I have your attention? May I have your attention? And the question you might be thinking right now is, well, if, if you give your attention to God, what's he going to do with it? If it's so valuable, what is he going to do with your attention? That's a good question to ask, and we're going to answer that by diving into God's word together. If you happen to have your Bible, go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Now, as you're turning there in your Bible or in your version app, let me set up the story for you that we're about to read. Mark chapter 6, you're going to see a guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a guy, his mom's name was Elizabeth. Jesus' mom was named Mary. Elizabeth and Mary were cousins. They're family, they're tight, they're friends, right? So they both give birth to little boys around the same time. Elizabeth gives birth to John, Mary gives birth to Jesus. Now, John and Jesus, as they started growing up, they were really close, they were really tight, they were friends with each other. In fact, it was as they were getting a little bit older, John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. That's why he's called John the Baptist. They continue getting older and older and older and they go into their ministries. Uh, John starts walking through the wilderness. He starts walking from the towns uh, and he starts saying, hey, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is on his way. 
people started asking John, hey, are you talking about yourself or are you the Messiah? He's like, no, 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 I'm just paving the way for the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus follows after John the Baptist. He's like, I am that man. I am the Messiah. So they're doing life together. They're lifelong friends with each other. Well, one day the king of, of Israel decides to get married. Now, his name is King Herod. You'll see his name in Mark chapter six, but this is not the same King Herod that we see in, when Jesus was born. Because if you remember the Christmas story, you remember that Jesus was born. King Herod tried to kill all the baby boys, making sure that the new king wasn't born, right? That king was, was nicknamed Herod the Great. Now, Herod the Great had a son. He was Herod the second. He also had a second son, Herod the third. So in Mark chapter six, when we're reading about King Herod, we're reading about Herod the third, not Herod the Great. But it's Herod the third. He winds up getting married. And he actually marries the girl that his brother, Herod II, was previously married to. Now think about this. This is a crazy love triangle. This is like Bachelor in Paradise gone wrong, right? So the younger brother marries the, the earlier, the, the older brother's ex-wife, the former wife, which is just absurd and crazy. So John the Baptist finds out Herod III married Herod II's former wife. And he publicly says, John the Baptist says, that's not cool. You shouldn't marry your brother's ex-wife. Well, Herod III doesn't like that. John the Baptist spoke out against his marriage. In fact, his new wife doesn't like John the Baptist either. So they take John the Baptist and they throw him in prison because he publicly said, you shouldn't marry your brother's wife. Now, that being said, at one point, King Herod III, he's celebrating his birthday. He invites his friends and his family over to celebrate this birthday celebration. And his daughter, who's the daughter of his new wife, his daughter provides the entertainment for his birthday party. She dances in front of his friends and his family. And after the dance, after the entertainment, Herod III says to his daughter, he says, hey, you've done a great job. Thank you for providing entertainment. Tell you what, as payment for you providing entertainment, I'm gonna give you anything you want. What do you want? Name it. If you want half my kingdom, you can have it. So his daughter says, well, can I talk to mom about that? So he says, yeah, sure. So she goes off and talks to mom. Again, mom is the one that doesn't like John the Baptist. And so mom says, hey, you know what you should tell dad? Tell him you wanna kill John the Baptist. He's in jail right now. Let's cut his head off. So this girl comes back to King Herod. Dad, I've decided what I want. Now she could have asked for anything in the world. She says, I want John the Baptist to die. Now the king, it's one thing for throwing John the Baptist in jail, but he didn't want to kill. He didn't want to execute John the Baptist, but he also didn't want to look like an idiot. He didn't want to look like a liar in front of his friends and his family and his birthday party. So he sent off his guards to go find the John, John the Baptist in jail cut off his head and they brought it back to the party, gave it to his daughter on a silver platter and the daughter gave it to the mom and said, here you go. All that to say, bad day for John the Baptist, right? Also a bad day for Jesus because his best friend was just executed. His best friend from childhood on was just murdered for no good reason. Well, the disciples of Jesus knew that Jesus and John were tight and so they went and found the body of John the Baptist and they put it in a tomb. And when they left the tomb, they went back to go meet with Jesus to offer him words of encouragement, support, to console Jesus because he just lost his friend. He just lost a loved one. So the disciples show up to go and support their leader, Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story. Mark chapter six, verse 31 it says this. Then because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, let me stop there for a second. There's something that stands out to me in this verse. And what stands out to me is that these disciples came with the intention. They had plans to come and show love and support and compassion to Jesus. 
But even though that was their plans, even though that was their intention, Jesus says, hey, you know what? I'm going to interrupt your plans with something that's better for you. You see, oftentimes when Jesus interrupts our plans, he has something that's better. That's what we, we see in Isaiah. God says this in Isaiah 55, 8. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Sometimes our ways are not God's ways. God's ways are not our ways. And sometimes when we're interrupted and our plans don't go according to what our ways are, God says, I've got a better plan for you. My ways are better ways than yours. So these disciples show up. And when the disciples show up to support and love and offer compassion to Jesus, he says, you know what? What you really need is not to give me support. What you really need is rest. This is a hard time for all of us right now. We've all lost a friend. We've all lost a loved one. But what you need is rest. You need to get away and have some rest. You see, sometimes when Jesus interrupts, it's always for us. When Jesus interrupts, it's always for us. It's for our own benefit. When he stops whatever our plans are, when he interjects himself, it's for our own benefit. And perhaps right now, we're in the craziness of the storm together, right? You've been interrupted. Your life's been put on hold. Everything's been put on hold. Your job, your family, everything's put on, put on hold with this interruption of the coronavirus. But replacing all that other stuff for many people is new swirling thoughts of nervousness and anxiety and fear and concern for the future. And perhaps that's what God wants to interrupt for you. Perhaps he wants to interrupt the craziness going on in your heart and your mind and your soul right now and tell you and encourage you, hey, it's okay to have rest. You see, the idea of rest is something that we see all throughout scripture. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Perhaps some of you feel weary and burdened right now. There's rest in Jesus Christ. Look at what God says in Exodus 33, 14. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Rest. Rest is such an important thing. It's even one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is one of the top commands that Jesus or that God has for us is to honor a day of rest, to take a Sabbath. It's so important. Look at what Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4:11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. Rest is something that's important. And sometimes we might have plans, we might have an idea, and sometimes God will say, Hey, I'm going to interrupt your plans. Because what you really need, what's important for you right now is rest. Perhaps that's what we all need right now. Perhaps what we need is to be able to stop the swirling thoughts, the concern, the fear, the anxiety, and simply stop and rest in God's presence. I think that's why God said to David through the Psalms, he says, be still and know that I am God. Perhaps that's what you need right now is to simply be still. Maybe that's the interruption you actually need to interrupt you from all the thoughts that are swirling through your head and simply be still and know that he is God. To be still and know he is the provider of peace. To be still and know he is the comforter in our lives. To be still and know he's, he knows exactly what's going on in our culture throughout our world right now. To be still and realize he's still got the whole world in his hand. To be still and realize he cares for you. To be still and realize he loves you. To be still and realize there's compassion from God towards us. To be still and know he can empathize with us. To be still and know he's in control of everything. To be still and know that he is God. And to have trust in God, to have hope in God, that there's joy and that there's peace from God. Maybe that's what we need right now is to be still, to pause all the thoughts going through our minds, 
the concern, the worry, the nervousness? Do we have all the answers? No. But what we do know is that God wants our attention. What's he want to do with our attention? He wants us to give us the gift of rest. And maybe we can do that by simply being still and knowing that he is God. So wherever you are right now, if you're driving right now, I'd encourage you to pull over. If you got a crazy house right now, people screaming, yelling, try to quiet everybody down. Because I want to give you an opportunity to be still, to just have a, a moment of quietness. In fact, wherever you are right now, wherever you're watching, if you're distracted by something, try to eliminate that distraction. Just close your eyes. And in the quietness of this moment together, as we live stream all over the world together with people tuning in from all over the place, will you just quiet your heart and your mind right now and just take a few seconds to be still? And God, in the quietness of this moment, we acknowledge that you are God. You are in control. And we are thankful for that because as many of us feel out of control, we can have a hope and a trust and a faith and a confidence that you are. And we don't need to be in control if you're in control. And we don't need to have all the answers if you have all the answers. So God, we have faith in you. May you increase our faith. May you increase our hope. There's so many other thoughts of nervousness and anxiety and fear. God, may you squash all of that. And in the tenderness and the quietness of this moment, as we are choosing to be still, give us the reassurance that you are in control. And Father, we thank you. Sometimes when we let our thoughts get out of control and we let our fear get out of control, sometimes it's, it's indicative that we're not trusting in you, but we want to trust in you with everything. Our heart, hearts, our minds, our soul. So, Father, I pray that you provide peace during this time, comfort during this time, provide healing to those who are affected by the coronavirus, provide an opportunity where families can grow together with each other, that, that marriages can be restored during this time, that people can grow closer to each other and to you during this time. May you make something that's good out of a bad situation. God, we trust you. Our hope is in you. We have faith and confidence in you. Bring your joy. Bring your peace. Allow it to rain down on us. We trust you. We know that you're in control. Allow us to be still. Allow our minds to be still, our hearts to be still, and realize that you are in control. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.